0: Welcome back, creeps. Booker. Welcome back to the first deep dive series thing in like 10 weeks. The last one was people in the attic. Yes. It was a long time ago. I had to check last night.
1: Long, long, long time ago. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I just washed my face. I feel great after I wash my face. I'm wearing these tights that have a zipper in the front. I just unzipped them because sometimes it pinches my tummy.
0: And I'm a 30-year-old man who just ate a bowl of cinnamon toast crunch churros with chocolate milk.
1: Churros?
0: It was gross. I wouldn't recommend it to anybody, but it's something that I've never done before. <laughs> At least I don't think I have. Eating cereal with chocolate milk. With good. chocolate milk?
1: Yeah. Oh, wow. You were ambitious.
0: Yeah, I was just... cereal's like a treat for me, so I was like... Let's do this. I regret it. I regret it. This week, we have a couple of, uh, not announcements, just things that we found interesting that we want to share with you. So you found that podcast, right?
1: Yes. As soon as I read the description of this podcast, it was like a huge draw for me. It's these two ladies from the Latin American community. One's a doctorate and the other one is... Just someone really enthusiastic about like weird things like um, ghosts and zombies and shit. Like ghosts, exactly. But it's this podcast is focused on monsters and folklore that come from our culture, the stories and stuff, and Latin meeting, American culture. Exactly. Sorry if you didn't know, um, Latina, uh, but it comes from the Latin American culture and it's called monstras. It's hosted by Brenda Salguero and Dr. Orquidia Morales. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, I've never seen that name before. It's a beautiful name. But anyways, I can't sing their praises enough. I've only listened to episode one, which is about La (laughs) La Llorona. And I think I was like maybe 20 minutes, 15 minutes. I wasn't in very long. And I was like... I'm becoming a patron. Like, I looked at their Instagram. They only have 243 followers, which I think is an injustice. <laughs> um, but I, I want to become a patron because I want to f- help in whatever way I can that will keep them doing what they're doing. Yeah. The cool thing about, well, the first episode <laughs> that I listened to, it it delves into the legend of La Llorona and it also gives it context as to what it could mean to some people, like what it could mean during, like it, it could be, you could interpret it as a, a message of the times mm-hmm. or the times that are still going on in the Latin American community. Cool. Yeah.
0: Right on. So that's Monstras is the name, M-O-N-S-T-R-A-S.
1: Yeah. And you can find it on Spotify. I, I, I really fucking love this. And it's filling this, like I was telling Adam, it's filling this void that I have. Yeah. Uh, it's and it's educational, which I fucking love as well. And any sort of references that they give to life, like it's already gave given a reference to a film, and I'm like, I'm gonna watch it. You know, like it's right a on. book, gonna read it. Yeah, you know? yeah,
0: yeah. Well, that's good. I'm glad you're enjoying it. Um, so don't forget to check those guys out. Hopefully, we'll become friends through this, maybe. Who knows? And then I also wanted to shout out this guy probably thinks I'm the biggest weirdo because
1: old sea legs.
0: Old sea legs. <laughs> yeah. So old sea as in like the water sea, like not the letter, see. Not the letter. Uh old sea legs on Spotify. Check him out. He is from Dublin. He's just a singer, songwriter, him and his guitar. And a friend of a friend shared the shared a live version thing that he was doing while we were still at home and i checked it out and i was like oh that's cool i must look back into him later followed him on instagram forgot all about it and then he came up on my stories saying like i'm quitting my job today and i'm about to release an album next month things are really exciting for me right now and i went on to his to his spotify and he only had two tracks up and they were both fantastic and then just last night he dropped another one very fucking cool. Like you were said, like I think he just fell perfectly into that those pins and the cogs that I needed, like for yeah. music right now. Anyway, very mm-hmm. much the type of music that I enjoy. And yeah, if you're into just interesting shit, go check him out. Old Sea Legs. And then lastly, I just wanted to thank our followers who reached out this week. Some really nice DMs and such. Yeah,
1: we got some really nice messages. Yeah. That, um.
0: Our friend uh, Tori up in Canada.
1: Yeah, like especially her. Like I, it just made me feel like, wow, this is. I mean, yeah, sometimes it feels like we're bumbling around, but I feel like as long as it's, I, I think it's really rewarding to know that someone's enjoying our bumbling yeah, around. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> and as like, um, what's the word? As conceited as it might sound, I've spoken with other podcast hosts about this too. Like, if we didn't get those messages, we would not keep doing this because, like, otherwise, how else are we to know? You know what I mean? Yeah. And they're not just blowing smoke up our ass either. It's just saying, like, hey, I appreciate what you did this week or whenever or your, your whole thing. And, you know, that makes doing what we do feel a whole lot better.
1: Yeah. They're, and, and it could be as simple as that. Like, you guys are doing a great job or it's it feels what I really like. When, and I hear it often. It feels like I'm hanging out with friends. If you're so relatable, like, uh, it it just feels like we're all hanging out, you know, like, it's just very, like, you guys are personable and that speaks volumes to me because it's like, well, the ones that don't like us, like, what were they aiming for? You know, like, what were they looking for?
0: Different courses for different horses and all (laughs) that.
1: Yeah. But like, I don't know. I I think it's weird because that's what I would want. Yeah. You know
0: We can't be everybody's friend, right? Right, and, and and you and nobody
1: can. Not everybody's gonna like us. Yeah, you know right. what I mean. I just think it's weird, but yeah. but in the same vein as I think I think it's weird when people don't like ice cream or, or cake. But I've met people <laughs> who have told me I don't like ice cream and I don't like cake. I yeah. I have a coworker who doesn't like donuts.
0: What a fucking freak! Okay, but
1: you know, like how you said, different strokes for different
0: folks. Yeah. So with that being said, we're gonna stop all the bullshit right now. This is a story that we probably already know, even if you don't realize it yet. You might know it better as being the story which The Conjuring 2 is loosely based on. And I say loosely based on. Loosely. Loosely. I'm going to be telling the story based on the very factually presented book written by Guy Playfair. This house is haunted. (laughs) Guy was there, literally, he was there. Almost from the very beginning and actually stayed in the house with the family so he could witness events for himself and notate every tiny little tedious detail down to the minute. And if you think that we're just doing this for entertainment purposes, get the hell out of here (laughs) and lock the door behind you. Because Mr. Playfair has good goddamn guaranteed that this will not be fun for anyone. (laughs) Okay.
1: Everyone's going to have a miserable time. Terrible time.
0: (laughs) This is a direct quote from the book's preface preface preface
1: preface I like that
0: I say preface anyway the introduction for the book
1: before face
0: before face of book quote a word of caution is needed if you are not sated by all the horrors and occult titillations of books or films such as the exorcist and its host of imitators and are still hungry for some more exotic thrills then this book is not for you
1: readers (laughs) (laughs)
0: Readers may find some of it rather dull with not a very good plot and some terrible dialogue.
1: (laughs) Wow, he's like this. You're not setting yourself up for success at all. He's like, your lowest expectations, lower them. (laughs) Even more.
0: (laughs) No, he has presented this as a scientific case study.
1: Yeah, he's like, this is going to be boring.
0: Yeah, this is not a novel. And trust me, there are parts of this book that are Fucking tooth pullingly boring, but I love it. i So far, I have been having a great time reading it. And basically, the reason why he says the terrible dialogue is because Guy Playfair was uh might be still alive. Actually, I'm not sure. I'll have to check that.
1: Guy Playfair sounds like a random string of words pulled together.
0: Like, a really old porn actor, essentially. Like. <laughs> yes. Yeah, But when he got to this case, it was just him and his digital or sorry, not digital him and his analog recorder recording tapes. And like he would this is one of the things that got me was like he had to buy new batteries, like multiple batteries every day because his tape recorder would last about two hours. Oh, wow. Yeah. On these batteries. Zero time. I know. Right. So I'm like, how much money was he spending just on batteries alone? Christ. Anyway, he would leave the recorder running for as long as he could like very long durations and then he would spend the following day going through the whole thing which is like i have done this for like my own little ghost hunt adventures he did this for a long time every fucking day so the actual dialogue that's in the book is taken directly from his his and another guy's audio recordings from the house so that is why so with that being said Let's all put on our very serious assistant to the psychic phenomena researcher man hats and buckle in for the wild <laughs> ride that is the Enfield haunting.
1: Oh, I mean, look, I just cleaned that hat. <laughs> <laughs>
0: There seems to be two very different types of like typical hauntings that we've come across from the ma- from the majority of the stories that we've covered. Obviously, there's more than just two and like a buttload of variations and all that. But there's the ones that slowly creep up on the families that try to deny every little bump in the night and weird occurrences that could go on for years and years until it just builds to a point where it's out of control and they cannot deny it anymore. And then there's cases like this one, which just start with a bang and hit the ground running. So around 9.30 in the evening of August 31st 1977 brother and sister John and Janet Hodgson are in bed getting ready to go to sleep for the night their mother Peggy is in her own room with her eldest daughter Margaret and youngest son Billy. Apologies in advance because Guy Playfair at the time of writing, this house is haunted. Used pseudonyms for pretty much everyone And addresses and stuff like that, so it actually did get pretty confusing, just like from my own notes, trying to figure out who was who. So if I do get any names wrong, apologies, I will try and correct it later. Anyway, suddenly, John and Janet sit up in their beds complaining about hearing some weird shuffling noises that seemed to be coming from a chair in the room. Peggy, a single mother, not all heroes wear capes, was obviously used to the kids, like, just messing with her and was quick to cut the shit. She takes the chair downstairs and comes back and turns out the light. That's the end of that, she thinks. But as she walks away, she hears something move and she quickly turns the lights back on. Everything seems to be in order and the kids are tucked in up to their chins. She turns the light off again and instantly the shuffling starts again. She said it sounded like someone in slippers walking across the floor.
1: That's how I sound in the morning. Yeah, just <laughs> ch- 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 dragging my ass out of, out of <laughs> bed. Jeez.
0: So then they all heard four very clear, loud knocks, which seemed to come from the wall dividing their house from next door. Now, they lived in a semi detached council house and had a very good relationship with the next door neighbors, the Nottinghams. And it was not like them to just start randomly banging on the wall late at night, unlike our neighbours back home in Ireland for some reason who just love to do that. So Peggy has stood there trying to comprehend where these noises are coming from when all of a sudden the heavy chest of drawers which was just inside the bedroom door starts to slide purposefully away from the wall about 18 inches towards the middle of the room. Peggy, Janet and John are just completely silent in absolute... <sighs> you okay?
1: Yeah, I guess that was a male.
0: Yeah, it was the Amazon. Guy. Oh my god,
1: that scared me. That scared me.
0: We haven't even started yet.
1: Oh, I mean, you started with dragging slipper feet, and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> that already got me on edge. Not work warnings.
0: So Peggy, Janet, and John are just completely silent in absolute awe of what just happened. And Peggy just pushes it back to the wall. So just picture this scene in your head, right? The complete silence of these three individuals trying to understand just what the fuck they're hearing. First of all, these random phantom fucking slippers. And then the sudden slow drag of furniture on the linoleum floor. And they're all just stood there watching the chest of drawers slowly but steadily moving its way out from the wall. As soon as Peggy had pushed it back into its original position, It slides back out again as if trying to block the doorway. So Peggy instinctively goes to push it back again. Only this time it won't go back. It feels as if there's somebody standing on the other side of it pushing against her. Oh shit. Fear takes over at this point and Peggy just starts to shake. She told the kids to get downstairs and they did as they were told. They didn't need to be told twice. Okay. Peggy wanted to get as far away as possible. Her brother John lived just up the road. I think six doors down or something. But he was a hospital worker and he worked weird hours so she didn't want to disturb him in case he was asleep. But the Nottingham's lights were still on and so they went next door. Now, like I said, they had a very good relationship with the Nottingham's. like They were almost like an aunt and uncle to the kids. They listened to their story and they didn't believe a word of it. But (laughs) (laughs) in a nice way though, like so Vic is the husband and the wife is peggy also her name is peggy next door okay that's how literally what they called her yeah okay so anyway vic was said to be like a tough not afraid of anything construction worker and him and his 20 year old son gary offered to go in and search the house the back garden the front garden the loft everything
1: that's really nice
0: yeah and they're just trying to find signs of like kids fucking with them or maybe it's mice or anything but obviously nothing The Nottinghams are back in the house now and the knocks start up again. All three of the Nottinghams heard it this time and it sounded as though it was coming from the opposite wall this time, not their house, Mm -hmm. but the outside wall. There's a side lane there so Vic runs out to catch these kids in the act but, of course, there's no kids. The knocking continues and Vic's son actually puts his hand on the wall and said he could feel it vibrating. Oh, shit. With each knock, he could feel the wall vibrate. And they also said that the knocks had an odd hollow sound to them. They said it sounded like someone was behind the wall trying to get in. But I think they meant that as in like as if somebody was actually standing between the drywall and the brick.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You
0: know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like knocking on the inside of the drywall.
1: Like they're in the walls trying to get into the house.
0: Yeah. Which, again, brought me back to the I think it was the people in the attic. They had a very similar situation where like they would peel the drywall back and see that. The wall itself was intact, but the inside of the drywall was damaged. Like, you know what I mean? Because
1: of the, f- the impact.
0: Yeah. That's wild. Yeah, so that made me think of that. But anyway, we'll have plenty more on the different types of knocking noises later. Don't <laughs> worry. Okay. This book is a treasure trove.
1: I mean, we did warn you, this one's going to be painful. Science. <laughs> <laughs>
0: this
1: is going to be uh, really bad. <laughs> yeah.
0: So at a complete loss... For what to do in a situation like this? They did what most people would do, most people at the time, at least. I'm sure a lot of people still today. They called the police because. I mean, what else? Who else? You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, maybe there's there is somebody in the fucking walls, or exactly. Something, yeah, or hiding somewhere.
0: So the call went out over the police radio as a simple disturbance at 284 Green Street. Please proceed. <laughs> and so the police officers who showed up. Well, it was probably more like disturbing. Set two eight four Green Street. Please proceed. In it. In it. <laughs> <laughs> Bit of a it. Uh Apologies, England. <laughs> so anyway, the police officers who showed up were expecting probably something very run of the mill and boring. And they got there and they listened to what everyone had experienced because by now it's the Nottinghams and the Hodgsons. And they were very professional and courteous, but obviously like didn't believe them, so they searched the whole place again and didn't find anything. So Vic suggests they all just sit in the living room, turn the lights off, and just see what happens. Because that it was when they turned the lights off that the knocking started again.
1: Yeah, okay.
0: So they did. And just like before, they get four knocks, very clear, could not be confused with anything else, then silence, then four more purposeful knocks. Again, the police search the house for themselves, and the male police officer starts checking all the pipes. Just he's convinced, like, no, there has to be a logical reason for this. Let's help. So while he's in the kitchen, like under the sink, looking at the pipes and shit, the female officer was in the living room with the family when John, the oldest boy, points to one of the chairs, which was just starting to wobble side to side. And it then began to just move, just like the chest of drawers did, slow and steady. Straight out into the room.
1: That's really nice. I just want to comment on the policeman. Because he's like checking their fucking pipes. Like he's a plumber. Yeah. And I'm just like. That's really cool that he sees his mom. Single mom with like kids and shit. And she's like here let me give you a hand. You know. Yeah. Like that's really fucking sweet. So. Uh, But terrifying about the chair.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So. Moment ruined. (laughs) The other officer. WPC heaps what a name she's in there she sees this chair move and she said that it had moved between three and four feet again like just picture this scene it actually is the scene from the conjuring 2 only i think in the conjuring yeah. 2 it's in the kitchen but they were actually in the living room all just completely stunned they just watched this piece of furniture move completely on its own three to four feet and as soon as it stops she gets down on the ground she starts checking around to see like maybe these kids are playing with this. maybe it's who fucking knows yeah she can't find any evidence of foul play but she did go on to fill out a case report she appeared on national tv testifying basically saying no no no. i know what i saw i was there i can't explain it but this is what happened
1: isn't it like the first ever police report filed about a ghost
0: i don't know about that it could be
1: i think it is
0: i was actually looking for the clip because i've seen that clip myself like when she was on the news, mm-hmm. but I couldn't find it earlier. I'm sure I'll find that. I have a lot of like documentaries to watch on this. Anyway, the police couldn't offer any help, but they did like, they sympathized with her and they said that they would keep checking in to make sure that they'd be, they were all right. But I'm sure they couldn't just wait to get the fuck out of there. Like, honestly. Yeah. By this time it was well after midnight. The police had left. The Nottingham's went to bed and all the activity had seemed to stop. So the family like set up camp in the living room And they were going to sleep there for the rest of the night. But as you can imagine, not much sleep was had. Now, the activity seemed to die completely until the following day. And then the family starts being harassed by bits of flying Legos and marbles.
1: Oh, that's fucking, that's so worse. Yeah. (laughs) Fucking Legos, man, because then you step on them.
0: Oh, yeah. So these random items would seemingly just appear out of thin air and fly at speeds as if they had been shot out of something they literally just kind of popped into existence mm. going full force. Like there was no fucking like start up or like gravity pull or anything like that. It was just boom.
1: We've seen that before. Not like, oh, like not in person, no. no, no, no. In, like, other cases, in other like, like, cases. Like, well, yeah. the,
0: the Pontefract case I yeah. think, was a prime example, but yeah. in this one so far anyway, it's specifically Lego and marbles.
1: Wild man.
0: Sometimes they would just land on the floor as if they had been dropped out of the ceiling. And like this went on for days, but like the knocking sounds, there were some like strange and interesting things about this barrage of attacks. One day, Peggy next door's dad, who's Mr. Richardson, I believe, he was in the house and two marbles just shot past his head and they hit the bathroom door. The bathroom was off of the kitchen in this house, which is kind of weird. But I guess back in the day, all the plumbing just went to one area. OK, so it made sense. So, anyway, he sees the marbles, hit this door, and then land on the ground. So, he goes over and he picks them up. But when he picks them up, he finds that they're actually hot to the touch.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. And did the kids have marbles and Legos? Or we don't know where these things came from.
0: So, the youngest kid, I'm sure all the kids used them, but they were referenced as, like, Billy's Lego.
1: Okay, okay. So,
0: I'm sure there was, like, a collection of Legos and marbles. Okay. But another interesting thing mentioned, and I... Don't know if this was every time, but at least some of the time when things would just like drop straight from the ceiling, they would just land on the floor. But like there was no bounce. There was no roll. It was as if somebody just slammed it down on the floor.
1: And was controlling gravity.
0: What? Yeah, like just or didn't let go of it. Like an invisible hand oh, was just slapping so it crazy. to the ground.
1: And these are the marbles.
0: Specifically the marbles. Yeah. And also the Legos too. And I think there was a few like controlled throws or seemingly controlled That's throws so, like, wild, so fucking weird yeah but then i also kind of had like a really funny thought this is the thing with these scary stories even as i'm reading them i can't help but make fun of them a little bit even when i love them but did you ever see that uh scene with all the people in the green suits or the yeah. black suits and they do yeah, the so yeah, just picturing yeah. a dude doing <laughs> that like running around <laughs> with these marbles in his hand like <laughs> Um, so if you do get scared of it, just think of it like that.
1: Or like uh, those clips of Game of Thrones with. Uh... Yeah,
0: she's just rubbing a big giant cotton swab. Basically. Yeah, green yeah.
1: cotton swab. <laughs> <That's> so crazy.
0: <laughs> so by the 4th of September, regular Peggy. As, I had to rename her for my own sake in here. So we're going to have Peggy next door. Peggy next door, Nottingham. Okay. And regular Peggy Hodgson.
1: Original flavor. Probably,
0: yeah, probably I'm the only one that's actually getting confused. Anyway. <laughs>
1: Everyone's like, we get it. Yeah, dude, we get it. Two, Two people, Peggy's. same name.
0: It's a, <laughs> it's a Peggy now. <laughs> anyway, but the 4th of September, regular Peggy was at her wit's end. They were being berated by this invisible force and were terrified in their own home. Again, they didn't know what to do. So Peggy next door says, I'm going to call the Daily Mirror newspaper. Now, I know that today the Mirror is kind of the less trashy of the trashy tabloids at home. But I don't know that I'd necessarily trust people who worked for it, like as a prime news source or not to extort the story. But back then, I'm sure it was much more reputable. And if nothing else, the idea was they might be able to point them in the right direction. You know, yeah, I guess they were the closest thing to Google. And this turned out to be exactly what they were able to do. So the paper sent a photographer and a journalist out pretty much straight away. And that evening, they all sat around telling them exactly what had been going on so far. But of course, nothing happened while they were there. And when the the paper boys were going to call them, <laughs> when the paper boys decided to leave at around 2.30 that night or the morning of the 5th of September, although they did believe the family were experiencing something and like they sensed general fear. They were just going to call it a night because they're like, well, nothing's obviously happening now. So we're just going to go. As soon as they were out the door, the Lego blitz, as Guy Playfair called it, started <laughs> up again. And Peggy next door's father ran out after them and called them back in. The photographer and regular Peggy were standing in the kitchen when they saw something moving. Peggy ducked, and the photographer got nailed with a sharp piece of Lego, hard enough to leave a bruise, which lasted over a week. Oh, on his head. Oof. Right above, I think it was his right eye. Uh, it just hit him just above his eyebrow. That's and, bad. Yeah, but I still thought it was funny that Peggy just like, oh, fuck, ducked out of the way <laughs> and he got it. <laughs> so the couple of photos that the photographer managed to get didn't actually have any evidence in there. Because these Legos were <laughs> moving so fast. Yeah. That, like it was almost impossible. But they did serve to prove that the kitchen was completely empty at the time. Other than these two standing in the doorway and like this was the direction which the Lego missile had come from. He was taking a picture <laughs> of the invisible force that had sent it his way. Basically. Yeah, yeah, Lego
1: missile.
0: Yeah. So the lads went back to the office with their story and a senior reporter went back over to the house the following day. This is still the 5th of September. Shit. I'm surprised at how well these guys handled this case. They obviously knew that it would be a definite moneymaker and that they could spin it whatever way they wanted. But honestly, they seemed to want to help the Hodgson's too. That's good. Yeah. So the senior reporter, whose name was Fallows, managed to track the family down at the Burkham's house. Now, the Burkhams are Peggy's brother's family. So they just live six. I think I'm probably going to get this wrong, but I think the Hodgson's were at 284 and the Burkhams were at 272. Okay. Okay. So that's where they were all hanging out because they were too afraid to be in their own house even during the daytime now. like This activity just wasn't ceasing. Fallows listened to the whole story, noting how exhausted the family seemed after six nights of basically no sleep and told Peggy that he accepted everything that she had told him. He told her that he was no expert, but he had done a great deal of reading on the subject and said that it sounds like she may have a poltergeist. He had noticed that Margaret, the oldest girl, was quote physically mature for her age gross gross, yeah, she was thirteen at the time, and he's in a lot of cases, poltergeist activity starts when a child in the house reaches adolescence see last week or the week before his episode when we were talking about monarchy oh, and uh,
1: <laughs> mens was it Menses. menzies. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But Margaret also seemed to be more affected than anyone else at this point. She was super tense, very nervous, anxious, and was just prone to bursting into tears since this whole thing begun. But again, bearing in mind that they had just had six sleepless nights. Yeah. Anybody's going to be, you know, a little. It, it, that exact fucking way, like prone yeah. to tears, nervous, and anxious.
1: Probably really fucking sad that they can't sleep. Yeah, you know? Yeah.
0: But when he asked Peggy if Margaret had actually reached puberty yet, Peggy didn't even know what that meant.
1: She probably just didn't know the word word for it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, like, this guy, Fallows, took her aside and explained what puberty was. And Peggy replied, oh, that. Yes, Margaret had it in March. So she was, right? Okay. Yeah. But it was the way that she worded it.
1: It's the way that you're saying it. That gets me. It's funny.
0: He then told him that he would like to reach out to the Society for Psychical Research for help. And when he mentioned SPR, Peggy fainted on the spot. What the fuck? I shit you not. She thought he meant psychiatrist or psychiatric or something. And psychiatrists were to blame for sending her oldest boy, John, away to boarding school for some undisclosed reason that we never find out.
1: What is PSR?
0: SPR, Soci- Society for Psychical Research. Okay. I think it might have had something to do with him being like having hyperactive behavior and possibly needing speech therapy from what I can gather. But anyway, this led Peggy to have a serious distrust for psychiatrists, psychologists, and I think social workers too. John was there the first night this was ha- that this happened. But I think the following day he was actually going back to boarding school. It's the older boy. He was only 10 years old, so he only comes back on like holidays and stuff like that. Oh, wow. Yeah. And for just it's never mentioned as to why. So anyway, when she had calmed down and understood what he meant, she agreed to go back to the house with Fallows so he could try and experience things for himself. And again, just to reassure himself that this is an actual haunting before he goes and gets the Society for Psychical Research involved. And also the kids could get like some much needed rest. They all fell asleep pretty much as soon as they got home. Like within an hour, they were all asleep in bed, like despite their fear. And after a little while, the knocking started up again. Again, very purposeful. Four knocks every time. Then it would stop. Then four knocks again, like same pattern almost every time. Fallows went to the phone box up the road and called the SBR straight away to see if they had anyone who could come over immediately. The secretary knew just the man, Morris Gross. He's a man after my own heart. His same mustache and everything. His is much more fuller and delightful looking. Impressive. Yeah, oh no, he really is fantastic. (laughs) He gets the call from the secretary and he leaves his office that very fucking second. Mm. right just leaves drops everything he was doing it was a busy monday morning and as soon as he receives the call from the sbr he just goes (laughs) wow yeah so apparently he had been pestering and badgering the sbr for a real case something that he could really sink his teeth into and just packed up all his shit and left as soon as he got the call so less than an hour after fallows had called the sbr morris was pulling up outside the house (laughs) in a bright red jaguar
1: Wow. Yeah, no, No this guy's fucking
0: balling. Yeah. (laughs) Now, the reason why Gross or the reason why Morris was so persistent at trying to get a case like this was because he had tragically lost his daughter not too long before this in a motorbike accident and he believed at the time that she was trying to contact the family in just a buttload of small ways to show that she was still around. And like there was some very interesting things like that I'll probably I'll, I'll follow up on later. But I guess as a way of coping with his loss, he just buried himself into researching like past paranormal cases and books and was now eager to experience something for himself. This was his first case. Wow. Yeah. So his first point of business when he arrived was to suss out whether the family were genuine or not.
1: What a fucking first case, though. I know. Everything's going to pale in comparison.
0: (laughs) I know, yeah. So when he gets there, he's just trying to figure out, you know, okay, are this, is this family really fucking experiencing something genuine? Is it a mental health thing? Or are they just spoofing me? But his opinion was that they were genuine. He said that you couldn't doubt the palpable fear in the house. And after this, he explained that for hundreds and thousands of years, people had experienced very similar cases, most of which lasted just a few weeks. Others lasted only days. And just his presence in the house seemed to grant some sort of peace and quiet. Like, Peggy and the Nottinghams were just glad to be, one, getting taken seriously, and also, they were glad that he didn't appear to be completely fucking bonkers. Like, you yeah, know what Yeah. I mean? And like, as well, he said it in the book this was his first case he didn't fucking tell them it was his first case yeah he did what like i do a lot of the time you just kind of bluff your way into have like giving people confidence in you like you know what i mean like yeah. if you seem like you know what you're doing people are gonna go okay yeah don't worry about kinda
1: it kind of fake it so you make it yeah
0: and then you can sit outside and watch youtube videos and figure it out like <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow
0: that's the trick baby <laughs> He also told Peggy that she would need to start documenting as best she could. And this was something that she was good at. And in my opinion, probably helped, again, take the edge off the situation just a little bit. Given her this like approaching it from a scientific yeah, perspective. You know that's what I mean? Good, I was it exactly, the scare out of it exactly
1: thinking the same thing.
0: Again, Morris's presence also seemed to make the polka dice step back and maybe reevaluate the situation too. None of the kids could pronounce the word poltergeist.
1: I was wondering, like, <laughs> yeah. is this, like, another thing that the ghost is throwing at, at them? Polka
0: dice, yeah. yeah. It's just, like, <laughs> old Jewish music and craps out in the back lane or something <laughs> like that. Um, but, yeah, no, all the kids called it the polka dice.
1: That's cute.
0: Yeah. So, like, in a lot of these cases, occasionally when a new person or a figure of, like, some authority, usually it's a priest or someone... The person who is here to fix the job, basically, when they show up, everything seems to go quiet for for a little while, either until this person leaves again or until it's established that they're not leaving anytime soon. And this was the case with Morris. So the lull in activity lasted for about three days. And on Thursday, September 8th, Morris and three men from the newspaper were standing on the landing in the upstairs of the house. Janet was asleep in her room on her own as John was off in fucking Hogwarts or wherever. <laughs> and at 1.15 a.m. they suddenly heard a loud crash inside the room. They ran into Janet's room. and found the chair beside the bed had jumped four feet forward, flipped over and had turned to face the other direction. The incident woke Janet up and she started crying. But like soon she went back to sleep. Everything was fine. They left the door open. And an hour later, the exact same thing happened. Only this time, the photographer saw, but only managed to get a picture when it landed. Because in fairness, how long does it take to flip over a chair? And if you're just sitting there kind of spacing out, you know (laughs) what I mean? By the time you get your camera up and stuff like that. Janet didn't even budge, though, right? So all this commotion was going on. And in order to check that she was really sleeping, Morris, quote, gently forced the lids of one of her eyes apart. Uh... Yeah. To find the eyeball upturned.
1: That's terrifying.
0: Yeah. He then turned to Fallows from the newspaper and said, see what you think.
1: What the fuck? He's going to go in and be like, yep, that's an eyeball.
0: <laughs> so Fallows goes in, lifts up her arm and drops it. Oh. And there's no reaction. He <laughs> then, quote.
1: I wish I could fucking sleep Hold like on. that. He, <laughs> like that hard.
0: He then, quote, gave her head a light push and it rolled <laughs> And it, yeah, and it rolled to one side.
1: Oh my god.
0: I can picture them like bringing in a leaf blower next. To them. <laughs> <laughs> Her face being blown all back and she's like <laughs> But is sleeping? Way, yeah. <laughs> Are you sleeping? Either way, they were satisfied. <laughs> That's <so> stupid. <laughs> But they they did make the point. It was actually more like she was completely unconscious rather than just sleeping. Like as if she had been knocked out.
1: Okay. Well, yeah. After you fucking it's knock like her slapping upside her around the and head. shit yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, you <laughs> sleeping? <It's a> fucking <laughs> wailing on her. Yeah,
0: like poor girl. She's only eleven. Like <laughs> <for six. laughs> these three grown ass <laughs> men just hovering around four.
1: <laughs> fucking drop kicker. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So the next night, Morris attended a meeting with the SPR. I think these meetings were a common occurrence, like probably once every week or once a month or something. And there were nothing more than just general chit chat about what ghosts might be. You know what I mean? And like different theories that people have come up with. Like, well, I think that maybe this ghost just really likes toast. (laughs) Fucking nerds. Yeah, you know what I mean? (laughs) And Morris was sick of it. He was like... How about you all come and like check out this genuine haunting case that I have fucking proof of, and now I need to help this family. Yeah, yeah. And everyone was like, "Well, I'm I'm actually busy today uh, (laughs) because of the toast ghost."
1: Why do you sound like Kermit?
0: (laughs) I've only got so many voices. Toast ghost.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Just completely glaze over toast ghost.
0: Yeah, yeah. But not like that literally seems to be the way. There was all of these like people who were, Oh yeah, I'm a medium, but I'm like too busy for that right now And it's like, Well what have you got going on, Derek? It's like, oh well like stuff. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah, like I, I need to go home and wash my hair.
0: Yeah, a lot of that was going on. Yeah. And because it also turned out that after these meetings they would then meet up again in whichever pubs they had decided to meet up in. So it was kind of just like a social thing. Like, honestly, I want to join the, the group. But I don't know how involved I would be. <laughs> like you know what I mean? Yeah. But like I was saying, he was already kind of pissed off that that was the attitude of most of the members. And this time around, like I said, he stood up and said, Hey, I need help. If there's anybody willing, come help me. Guy Playfair was actually at this meeting and he too was busy, Like, but he was actually busy planning a vacation and he told Morris look, if you're really fucking stuck let me know. He said it himself, I don't think I sounded that genuine. He had just come back from, like he, this dude sounds like a fucking ghost rock star. He was in Brazil helping out on poltergeist cases over there. Like Brazil from England in the 70s on a Ghost hunting expedition, like you know, that's I mean? rough, man. Yeah, and so anyway, he was like, "No, it's time for me and my wife to go away for a week in like Spain or Portugal or some shit."
1: They were gonna go on holiday at at Benidorm. <laughs> oh,
0: Benidorm! <better done>. Hey. <laughs> so anyway, Morris goes back to the Hodgson household after the meeting, only to find that the activity had ramped up once again. So before he got he got back to the house. The drawers of the furniture were sliding open and closed right in front of the family. The marbles were back shooting across the rooms from thin air. air. The door... Shut up.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Your Irish is Your green is showing.
0: (laughs) The door to the bathroom in the kitchen started opening and closing on its own accord right in front of Morris. Followed by isolated gusts of cold air around his legs and then his head. And then the t-shirt from a pile of clean clothes was thrown on the ground. And when Margaret went to the bathroom a little bit later to brush her teeth... It was just a cat. It was just a fucking cat. (laughs) But when Margaret went to the bathroom a little bit later to brush her teeth, she found a mug half full of water just sitting in in the middle of the kitchen floor. The fuck? Super random, but it's going back to old cases again is like very similar like what is it like where's this water come from now okay you know and also Morris was sure that like all of the family was in the living room like he's accounting for fucking everyone when he's there when these things are going on Uh and also while Morris was at the meeting Peggy had been taking notes that she had been instructed to do so she noted 7.57pm drawer in the kitchen unit opens about 6 inches 8.05pm Door chimes swing back and forth. 8, 10 p.m. Teaspoon in the kitchen jumps into the air. And like, but in reality, this stuff was happening so fast that she was just trying to remember and write down as yeah. it was going. So like the place is like fucking going nuts all around her. And she's like trying to, okay, teaspoon wow. in kitchen kitchen. Like. <laughs> so apparently earlier in the day, a cardboard box had just shot off a table as Janet walked by, seemingly aimed right at her. And it was becoming clear at this point that it was actually her and not Margaret, as Fallows thought, who seemed to be the main point of focus. Morris made it a point to keep a close eye on her. He knew that she couldn't have caused some of these things. Like he was there when the bathroom door and stuff like that was like slamming closed in front of him. And she knew that she wasn't responsible for these cold breezes like wrapping around his head and stuff. Right. But in his own words, he said, I'm not saying she's playing tricks. But we can't rule out the possibility that this thing is working on her mind, making her do things without knowing why. He was always very, like, diplomatic when talking with Peggy. Yeah. So he's saying, like, in that statement, he's saying it could be, like, some psychic phenomenon. Like, maybe it's like, that's telekinesis, Kyle. Okay. Or maybe the thing is, like, possession is a strong word. Maybe it's making her do things to make us think. You know what I mean?
1: that's a stretch because like you said how is it making all this co- how is she making all this cold air happen
0: yeah but he's trying to word it in a nice way so that peggy doesn't think he's accusing her daughter of doing all this shit you know yeah. what i'm saying like
1: but like as a theory that one's a stretch
0: it's it's all a stretch
1: yeah i guess so i guess you're right
0: but she was already catching blame for some of the unexplained activity that had happened when only she was around because now she is the center point of all of this shit like earlier on that very same day, Peggy next door's dad met the kids as they were walking home from the park and he had gone into the house with them. I'm sure he was saying like, oh, come on, like just in case you are scared or whatever. So as soon as she gets up to her room, she shouts down for Mr. Richardson and he comes running up to see what's going on. Her bedroom chair is precisely balanced on the top of her open bedroom door leaning against the wall.
1: What the fuck?
0: Yeah, right. Now, I think it's like a chair, like an old school kitchen chair. It's not like a big fucking armchair or yeah, whatever. Yeah, She does have an armchair in the room, but I don't think that they're talking about that one. Mr. Richardson, I think just naturally was like, you're taking the piss out of me. Like, you're, you're, you're playing with me here. But he's like, how is this chair balanced on this door? Well, how?
1: Yeah. And in yeah, the same know, vein, I'm like, how would how she fucking this do this shit? 11
0: year old girl. Right. She was tall for her age, though. <laughs> that is actually noted in the book no it was so carefully balanced that he literally just tapped it with his fingers and it came falling down yeah so there's no way that she could have done it no from an outsider's perspective i wasn't there though and then like straight away after that she went down she had actually collected rocks at the park that she wanted to put in her fish tank oh cute yeah and as she was walking away Like, after carefully putting the lid back on the fish tank, it, like, flipped off and followed her. Like, do you know what I mean?
1: What a dick.
0: Yeah. And Mr. Richardson was like, what are you doing? And she's like, it wasn't me. Yeah, man. So, anyway, it just seemed to be, like, one thing after another. On the 10th of September, Fallows released his story. And it was front page news. Literally, there was two main stories that day. One was the death of a politician's drug addicted son or some crap like that. So, obviously, big scandal And then these guys were right next to that. The general reception didn't seem to be overly negative in the local. Like some of the neighbors were a bit shitty about it. Like typical, like whatever. The family did kind of feel like people thought they were a little bit slow. Oh. Which, I mean, I'm not saying they were or they weren't. Guy Playfair goes out of his way to show like that. They had very much understood what was going on. And they were more than capable of coming up with their own theories and stuff like that. So just regular fucking people. But I think specifically back in the day, it was like, oh, lower income area, single mother, blah, blah, blah. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. And then one of the, the kids was in boarding school because reason, you know what I mean? And yeah. Lots the, of presumptions. Lots and lots of presumptions. The youngest kid had a speech impediment and stuff like that, too. So anyway, it, it was just everybody was stacking these things up against them. But the general scope of the reception was not that bad. Mm. This was a family who were genuinely perplexed and needed help. Morris Gross and Peggy Hodgson made it clear that they had not taken any money from the newspaper.
1: And they had or, taken any piss.
0: They had not taken any piss, no. <laughs> <laughs> but the two Peggy's actually went on a radio show that evening or the day after to do like a follow-up interview because the thing had been so well received. Yeah. Like the whole country was fucking talking about it. And they went on and they presented themselves very well. And actually, that's where they said that they think people might think we're a little slow. But even the the reporter or the person interviewing them said, well, after this, because it was like a two and a half hour interview. Yeah. He was like, well, I'm sure after hearing this, like people will not like we'll see how well spoken you are. And stuff. Uh-huh. But one of the big concerns was to make sure that the case was genuine and not just because Peggy wanted to move house, because back in the day, maybe even still today. If someone wanted to move to a new council house, they could say that the old one was haunted. But Peggy loved her house. She loved her neighbors. And clearly, like, her brother was only six doors down from them. Like, you know, that's her whole family was, like, right fucking there. Yeah. So, no, she didn't just want to get out of Dodge. But one particularly creepy incident was just briefly mentioned by Peggy next door during the radio interview. She was telling how her and a policeman who the police were still doing regular check-ins on the family. And I guess he knocked into Peggy next door because the house was empty. So she brought him in just to show him around the house and make sure it was all looking good or whatever. Probably just a welfare check. So she brought him upstairs. And as they were looking around, they found an impression on one of the beds as if someone had been lying there. But she was certain that nobody had been upstairs in the house since the beds were made more than two hours previous. And she said, quote, It's strange because when I went up there again this afternoon, I lay on the bed and then I got off and there was no shape at all.
1: Oh, shit. Yeah. So something was just chilling in there. Exactly,
0: yeah. How fucking creepy. And that same shit happened in um, the Belfast ghost story that we did. I I can't remember the number 77 or... Oh, no. I can't remember. Number 94, I think it was. Either way, that to me creeped me oh, the fuck out it was like this gross. thing is just sitting watching silently and especially when you know what it's capable of yeah and it's just like no, no. throwing
1: toys at yeah, you yeah
0: go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> anyway after the radio interview they returned to the house with morris only to find a bbc reporter who wanted to do a 10 minute piece the following morning so it's already like late at night and this lady was just hanging outside the house they invited her in and she witnessed a lot of the usual phenomena herself. The chair in the bedroom, the the marbles, the Legos. She interviewed Peggy and Morris and then left the house only as the sun was coming up. Oof. She still managed to have her story done and on the lunchtime show that day.
1: Look at that.
0: Yeah, I was like, it's taken me six hours to write these four fucking <laughs> <little> <laughs> pages. Like, I'm a pathetic excuse of a reporter. But um, who happened to be listening to the show that day? Guy Playfair. He was sitting in his house, literally looking at the ads for holidays in the Sunday newspaper. <laughs> and he heard how worn out poor old Morris was sounding on yeah. the BBC interview because Morris hadn't slept in like fucking two oh. weeks or something or a week at this point. Yeah. And he was like, fuck you. Yeah, and anyway, I better go. Now. Yeah. So he calls Morris and he's like, hey, do you still need me? Of course. So that first night, Guy and Graham, who was the photographer who had been hit in the face with the Lego a week prior, <laughs> They set up guard on the landing in front of Janet's room, which seems to be like the typical setup now for an evening. They left the door open this time. And again, they had a plan to catch Janet out. So Guy says to Graham, right, let's go on downstairs for a while, Graham. Oh,
1: my God.
0: (laughs) And Graham walks down the stairs. (laughs) But each stair he takes, he goes.
1: Oh, my God. Okay. And that's fucking very home alone too. (laughs) Yeah,
0: literally. So he sneaks down the stairs and he like closed the door. I'm pretty sure he was even like talking to himself as he was doing it. Christ. In the meantime, Guy was just I can imagine like this, like (laughs) peering around the doorway. But as soon as that door closed, Janet's head popped up off the pillow.
1: He caught her
0: in the act. Yeah. Now we don't know what she was doing or whether she was just checking to see if these fucking grown ass men were still watching her sleep. Yeah. But it served an in guys defense. The plan worked because, you know, Janet knew now that she couldn't get away with any fucking around while, while he was there. Uh huh. So later on, when she definitely seemed to be asleep and they were again, standing guard at the door, the two men heard something hit the floor. It sounded like a marble. Only, again, it didn't roll or it didn't bounce. Just a little dull thud. Guy took off his shoes to sneak in because, again, he was, like, potentially going to catch Janet acting the maggot or whatever.
1: <laughs> what but, the fuck?
0: But as soon as he steps in the front, in the, but as soon as he steps in the room, his foot landed painfully on the marble. Nice. And he lets out out, ouch! Nice. <laughs> but it had landed in the doorway. Okay, there was no way she was going to be able to throw this fucking marble from her bed without them seeing her hands leave the blanket. Uh, yeah,
1: good point. Yeah. And
0: also, how did it land without moving? Again, it did that thing. Yeah, it just landed perfectly where it landed. And again, the floor, I had originally just assumed actually that the bedrooms were carpeted. But again, it was lino in the in the bedrooms. So this is impossible. As far as I'm concerned, to drop a marble and to have it not fucking move on lino that way and guy and graham stood there checking it out to see and he said unless you placed it or dropped it from less than two inches it wouldn't do it but then if you dropped it from less than two inches it wouldn't make the noise yeah you know so no it was impossible and this is just how the next few nights were the activity became old hat to guy and graham pretty quickly
1: old hats i like that (laughs) term
0: But Graham would, like, set up all of his top-of-the-line photography equipment, and it would all work, like, perfectly when he tested it. But as soon as the activity actually started up, the batteries would drain, or it just wouldn't work for one reason or another. And the interesting thing is, all of this stuff back then was, like, hardwired. He had cameras physically wired to each other, so when he would, like, press the switch, they should all go off. Okay. so stuff like that, that would not work. And it was like, it would only not work if you unplugged it or the cable broke or something, you know? Yeah. But anyway, same old shit. Marbles, Legos being thrown, bed shaking. Typical. On September 19th, Guy arranged to sleep in the spare room. Peggy was now sleeping in Janet's room because, again, John was at Hogwarts and Margaret (laughs) and Margaret and Billy were in the main room. So not a whole lot happened that first night. But the next night, Guy tied Janet's bedside chair to her bed using garden wire without her knowing it. Okay? Okay. Because it was that chair that was always being flipped over. But I think it was easily accessible for her if she wanted to flip I it see. over. Okay. So this was the trick.
1: Oh, okay.
0: But tonight, just after Janet got into bed, the chair flipped over and the wire wire was just ripped out from where it was. Oh, shit. Yeah. He retied it, but obviously Janet... Knew this time, like she was sat there watching him. But just 13 minutes later, these precise notes. Yeah. They heard another crash and Guy and Peggy came running back only to find the bigger, heavier armchair by the mantelpiece in Janet's room had been flipped over this time. Ooh. Guy was running downstairs for a measuring tape just to see how far it had moved. Uh Uh-huh. And it happened again, right in front of Peggy. She said, next thing that lapping that bed will (laughs) shift and they barely made it back downstairs when they heard the commotion the chair that was tied to the to the bed was thrown again and the other bed was moved just like she had said yeah and then this next bit i'm actually just going to read directly from the book because it's a lot to take in a battle of wits was being drawn up the poltergeist was showing off next thing the books have come off said Mrs. Hodgson. (laughs) There were three children's books propped on the mantelpiece behind the big chair. My tape recorder was on the floor by the door. I put it there so that it would pick up the creaks of the floorboards if Janet got out of bed. Without doing this, she could not reach the books. A few minutes later, four things happened at once and three of them were clearly audible on my tape. Again, the empty bed shot out from the wall towards Janet. The small chair tipped over It had been flung around so much that one of its stout metal legs was well out of line. At the same time, one of the books flew from the mantelpiece out of the door, slammed into the closed door of the front bedroom, and came to rest standing open and upright on the floor of my bedroom. The book was called Fun and Games for Children. Creepy. Yeah. This one really had me baffled. On the tape... I could hear the book swishing over the recorder at great speed, hitting first the door and then the floor. It must have hit the door at an angle of about 30 degrees and bounced off at right angles, for there it was, well inside the doorway of the other room. This defies what few laws of physics I know, but there it was, it had happened. The fourth simultaneous incident was even more strange. For the first time that evening, believe it or not, Janet seemed to have woken up, Look at your pillow, ma'am," she said. (laughs) We looked. That shape there, I said, looks like a... Yes, Mrs Hodgson interrupted me. A small hollow. It was just as if somebody invisible was lying on the bed, as Peggy Nottingham had said on the radio. We've got a little girl playing games with us, I said. I've said it all along, said Mrs Hodgson. I think it's a child's. She had already told me of a tragic case in the neighborhood some years previously in which a man had suffocated his four-year-old daughter to death and later killed himself. It turned out that Mrs. Hodgson had known the man slightly and somehow had acquired some of his furniture from his house. Wow. Yeah.
1: I mean, I guess if you're desperate, you know, like desperate, like maybe she didn't, you know, maybe she ain't had no chairs.
0: And she doesn't know what we know now about. touching bad things like that.
1: Yeah, it's like perfectly good chair. I have zero chairs. Everyone sits on the floor, you know? Well, now
0: she's a fucking abundance of chairs, clearly.
1: Oh, yeah, because they're just flying everywhere.
0: Anyway. I saw no harm in assuming the poltergeist to be the restless spirit of a child playing games. Why be frightened of a four-year-old girl, living or dead? I beg to differ, guy. (laughs) But anyway. She's just sort of lost and confused. I said, probably just wants to talk and can't understand why we don't answer. And he goes on and explains to, you know, Peggy and Janet that this is how spiritualist beliefs have been, you know, and like seances and blah, blah, blah. Now, he doesn't encourage them to go and like start doing Ouija boards or anything like that. But it kind of gives them comfort in thinking that, oh, it's just an angry little girl. Like maybe she just wants to play and yeah at the same time janet her reactions aren't always fear. a lot of the time it's frustration because she's like i'm trying to sleep why is this thing like like bang crash boom making all this fucking noise like why can't she just ask us tell us what she wants or whatever yeah so already she's just like worn out and the whole fucking family are and so am i from talking so (laughs) 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 no but i actually wanted to try and break this up and do slightly shorter episodes because i know sometimes the deep dives can get a bit deep intense (laughs) and as much as i love listening to longer episodes i'm gonna try and spruce it up a little bit in terms of this but i mean it's still over an hour so let me know what you think. I'm sure next week's episode will be a little bit longer. Anyway, that is The Enfield Haunting, part one. Bom, bom, bom. But already, like, there's so much more that I didn't know. Because this is one of those stories that I had read, like, from, like, different accounts of and stuff like that. I guess everything was loosely based on this book. And they would just kind of highlight certain things and be like, oh, this happened and then this happened. But typically... Like, we haven't even gotten to, like, the most famous part of the case or anything like that. And there's a lot more than I had ever known about it. So, yeah, I'm hoping that everybody's excited for next week. <laughs> and feel part two. I'm going to try and make it a three parter. I don't want to go like a whole month like the werewolf thing. Um,
1: I enjoyed that.
0: I'm glad you did. Uh,
1: who said something
0: no me I was mentally fucking exhausted at the end of that and I was like well
1: anyway <laughs>
0: um, no I actually do love doing these but anyway let us know what you guys think did you enjoy this week
1: did you have cereal this morning or toast
0: give us a tarot card there
1: right so today's tarot card of the day is The Knight of Wands, reversed.
0: Knight or nine? Knight. Okay.
1: Today's message. You are full of energy and desire for something new. Shake up your routine today. Do something different and fun. Go outside. Get some exercise. Follow your whims and fancies. Though you may not be creating long-lasting change now, a bit of disruption... Will benefit your creative spirit.
0: Do you know what? That's actually very on the nose. Because this whole week. I have been struggling with. Oh what am I going to do? What am I going to do? As you have seen. Yeah. I'm like what next? Blah blah blah. So maybe this is my sign. To go and buy that new laptop. So we can edit more videos. Anyways. (laughs) Thank you all for listening. Um. Hope that tarot card reaches you in the way it's supposed to, and uh, that's it. That's it. I don't know why I am dragging this out so much. Okay. Uh, uh,
1: don't forget and, local- and if you and if you if you bought the new Kirby game, let me know what you think of it. I bought it today, and I am already digging into it, and it is so fun and so cute. Highly recommend.
0: And I started playing Ghost of Tsushima, so let me know. Did you know that a katana? blade is actually pronounced katana
1: no i thought it was just katana
0: yeah no it turns because out we're torturing of, um, everything
1: because of the the fighter in mortal Kombat. i don't know her name is katana
0: my friend in ghost of tsushima says katana
1: mm.
0: very abrupt with their pres- uh, anyway see you all next week uh, Oh oh no, no no wait no 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 follow us on instagram rate us reviewers blah 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 all that good stuff okay bye, okay, bye.
1: that kind of reminds me of my nephew when he was younger he had like a an arrow that had a suction cup thing at the end of it oh yeah and he put it to his forehead and it took him like it it stuck on so good and when he pulled it off he had like a bump yeah. For days <laughs> He just <laughs> gave it to himself And he did it the day before he was Going Starting back to school, to school yeah. <laughs> fuck's sake <laughs> I love the kids <laughs>